Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Loudly declaring the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are wasting here, waiting for his cleansing return, because the end is where we begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune, February the 3rd, 2018. We have now passed out of the shadow of the total super blue moon eclipse. I find it pretty coincidental that Californians... Uh, retreated to the total eclipse phase from start to finish. And in the same breath, it was released this week that California is rapidly plunging back into drought with severe conditions now existing in Santa Barbara, Ventura, and Los Angeles counties. Home to one-fourth of the state's population, a national drought monitor said Thursday. The weekly report released by the U.S. Drought Monitor, the project of government agencies and other partners, shows 44% of the state is now considered to be in moderate drought. That's a dramatic jump from last week when the figure was only 13%. Ladies and gentlemen, are you comfortable? Are you cozy? You know, don't get too comfortable, ladies and gentlemen. You never know when the Lord your God's going to pull the trigger on that start gun. Why, well, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. Clinton, how's your week been, buddy? And uh, what's been catching your eye in the news? You know, uh, my week has been been pretty good. Um, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on in the news, um, but there's not many times when uh, you can actually say something is going to happen on Saturday, and then Monday. Tuesday, every day, even on Friday, everything happens as you say it's going to happen. It's it was quite amazing to see how the the economy unfolded, how the the fall in the stock market unfolded this week, and uh, you know that was just one story uh, of what was happening. Yeah, I I just went ahead and deemed it Operation Groundhog's Day. I mean, that's the way I saw it. I just saw things unfold and just grow exponentially. And, you know, it it bothered me to the point that finally on Groundhog's Day, I I got a hold of you. I was like, Clinton, this kind of bothers me because everything you said on last week's program, what unfolded... And not just a way that it was evident what was happening, but, you know, I I appreciate the simple fact that uh, on Groundhog Day especially, that the stock market dropped 666 points. And I just didn't know how to take it because I knew that the – crusading conspiracy theorist was going to use this for maximum effect. So, yeah, this week has been very, very interesting. Well, Brian, how has your week progressed, and what's been catching your eye in the news, buddy? I assume that was my spot to come in because I was out of the room grabbing something quick. Ah, uh, how was my week? It's been the usual. Uh, what's been catching my eye? Good grief. There's been so many things that are going on that has not even... Uh, everything was overlooked, I think, just um, with stories that came out yesterday in light of what happened with the stock market and the big, obviously, one that's got everybody... Um, running around in a tizzy is this infamous memo that is filled with nothing but inaccuracies all over the place. And they didn't look at the entirety of the world stage just with events yesterday. I mean, I couldn't believe how many stories I was pulling up one after another after another on the world stage yesterday. So that's about the gist of what I've had my eye on here and there. Well, that falls right into lock sync with what Clinton and I discussed. I mean, the real question – look, we've got so much going on. The question is, what was Operation Groundhog's Day supposed to distract us from? Because our plates are full. Okay, we – look, look, ladies and gentlemen – we got some serious problems on our hand in Syria. Uh, somebody just shot down a Russian fighter. But well, wait a minute. That don't make any sense. Uh, the news is saying that it, it, it was uh, al-Nusra 
Really? We got things on the fa- <laughs> just the massive amounts of job losses that occurred uh, in January. So this is a real question. What was the distraction meant to cover up, or or, or is it just meant to be a cherry on the top? Because, ladies and gentlemen, look, this memo, they're not going to do nothing. It does not matter if anybody committed a crime or not. Only one person will be scapegoated out, just like Bertie Madoff. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have any idea the people that should have accompanied uh, Mr. Madoff? to federal prison entire uh, banks that are physically located on Manhattan Island should have went all the employees lock, stock, and barrel and yet they scapegoated out one individual and then nothing happened I mean ladies and gentlemen they're not going to do anything Because you're not going to demand it. You want to know why? The only thing you're demanding right now is that all the beer get bought before kickoff time. Because lots of states, you can't buy beer on Sunday. But they knew that, didn't they? Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. The kleptocracy that you have elected into place knew that's exactly the only thing you were going to do something about was making sure that not only the refrigerator... Now, look, I know how it goes. You also get all the coolers out, and at the same time you buy all your extra beer, you buy ice, so you've got five or six... uh, 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 Coolers in reserve with beer, as well as the fridge being stocked. And oh my God, I wish I was wrong. I really do, because I remember, ladies and gentlemen, when I was growing up, we... I mean, I wouldn't have even trusted Brother Marshall or Brother Webster... Or Brother Bruner, or not? I, I would not have trusted Brother Mackey if he would have been saying, you know, we're not going to go to church Sunday evening or not have church Sunday morning because of the Super Bowl. They didn't watch the Super Bowl. They didn't teach me to watch the Super Bowl. They taught me every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's what they expended their lives teaching me, Clinton. You have the floor. You know, I mean, uh, you're you're uh, you're standing some uh, interesting ground if you're going to attack the Super Bowl and attack, you know, the God of America or a God of a lot of people. I mean, if you look at the dedication of Americans when it comes to their sports teams, when it comes to their religious affiliation, whatever it may be. I mean, they adorn themselves with the colors. They spend $5,000 to go to a Super Bowl. You know, they, they 
we eat something like 3.2 billion chicken wings tomorrow. Um, I mean, how many chickens does it take to, to make 3.2 billion chicken wings? I mean, this, I love football like everyone else. You know, I played in college. I, I love it just like everyone else. But in the same token, it becomes a god to certain people. The same that money becomes a god to certain people. If you allow that affiliation, if you allow that take over your, your world, take over your mind, take over everything you can think of. And this weekend is the epitome of that. I mean, if, if you think about it, we have two iconic symbols. And I'm not talking about iconic symbols in the NFL. I'm talking about iconic symbols of the United States, the Patriot and the Eagle. I mean, it, it doesn't get much more American than those two things. All you got to have is a team of apple pie, and you got all three of them. But <laughs> that's who meets in the Super Bowl this weekend. Now, you're talking about a mass distraction that was going on with the, you know, the collapse of the stock market this week, the, the loss of money that, that has happened. Well, if you want to see something going on, there's a strong possibility and there's a lot of chatter going on that there may be something that happens at the Super Bowl. You know, God forbid that truly happens. Every single year, the Super Bowl is always pinned as one of the main targets that anyone that would want to make a statement against the United States would attack. That's just a no-brainer. You have the entire world watching it. It's in a, a predetermined location, and you know exactly when things are going to happen. I mean, it, it just makes sense. In, in this instance, the one that's happening in Minneapolis is in a brand-new stadium. Built from the ground up, this is the first year it's created. And those conspiracy theorists out there, you know, you can say, well, look at the towers after 9-11, how they were controlled demolition that there possibly was, you know, like uh, explosive put in there. Well, there's chatter going on around the Internet that the same possibility is happening at the Super Bowl. I hope that's not the case, because if that is true, that is an event that will change everything. Just like what happened this last week with the the stock market. I mean (laughs) – if you listen to the talking heads, I listened to them all day Friday. And, and all of them were saying, as you watched the Dow tank, you watched the S&P 500 tank, you watched everything go down, and everyone's saying this is a normal correction. This is something that was, you know, we all knew was coming, and now is the time to put more money in, <laughs> to put more money in the stock market as it's going down. You know, that, that's what the talking heads are telling you. Okay, so over the last 18 years, how many times has the stock market fallen over 600 points? Last 18 years, it's happened eight times. So if this was a common occurrence, you could imagine maybe one day a week or one day a year, this would happen, and that would be a common occurrence. The fact that it happened eight times over 18 years, no, (laughs) this is not a common occurrence. The fact that you add in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, oh, this is not a common occurrence. For, for those of you that were, you know, buried under a rock or just never really actually look at markets or anything, uh, everything started on Sunday. 
when the futures market, basically the bet that goes on before the markets open on Monday, started up 250 points. Now, typically when this happens, this is an anticipation and the plunge protection team puts money in the market to prop it up in anticipation of a downfall, a downcline. Well, it started up 250. At the end of the day on Monday, it ended negative 186. So on Monday, it technically dropped over 400 points on Monday. Then on Tuesday, it dropped another 380-some points. So you're almost at 1,000 points just on Monday and Tuesday. Then, you know, we have this wonderful State of the Union address that happens on Wednesday. People get excited. On Wednesday, the market goes up 40 points. Thursday, the day after the State of the Union address, everyone's excited. Boom. Market's up 250 points. It's all okay because, you know, everything's going to be fixed. It's wonderful. That 250 points doesn't last. It, the day ends up only 80 points. And then Friday comes. And anyone that watched the market on Friday just watched it tank from the moment the bell opened till it ended. And at one point you were like, is this going to stop going down? And those conspiracy theorists out there that want to interpret it any way you want – but if you have one of the largest declines in the market in the last 18 years and the market drops a number that everyone knows, which is 666, you're going to get your, your spidey sense kind of going off going, okay, so am I supposed to be looking at this? Am I supposed to be paying attention to this? You know, because that's money that, you know, people with the retirement, with pension plans, with, you know, if you're super wealthy, you just have a lot of stocks, you know, you lost a lot of money as well. Everyone lost money this week. So you should pay attention. Now, if you add in the 666 points that dropped on Friday, the 850 points combined on Monday and Tuesday that dropped, market lost 1,300 points this week. Okay, so no big deal. No big deal. The talking heads are saying everything's okay. You know, because, hey, it's a buying opportunity. You need to get in because the market's going to go back up on Monday because, wow, you know, that's what happens. When it goes down, everyone needs to jump in and buy, you know, and bring it back up. Okay, well, I think we told you last week that the market was going to go down. And we told you why it was going to go down. But as I'm watching all of the news networks, none of them talk about the real reason of why it went down. They're all blaming the interest rates are going to go up or, you know, they're afraid of, you know, what's going to happen or, you know, the job reports was a positive 200,000, but most of it was in the service sector. So it's not really manufacturing. I mean, they were making every excuse they could because they weren't looking at the economic indicators. They weren't looking at what truly was going on. And we told you last week that the reason that the market is going to go down is because the state and local governments are going to pull their money out of the stock market and put it into bonds. Because, well, they invested in risk stocks. Their profit went up because the investment paid off, and they're putting it into less risky investment, which is bonds. It's simple. That's what happened. That's what caused the economy and the stock market and the Dow and the S&P 500 to drop like it did. So those commentators saying that it's going to go back up next week, that it's going to jump next week, they're lying to you. 
There's no way that the state and local governments are going to pull their money out of stocks, put it in bonds, and then the next week sell those bonds and put it back into stocks when typically bonds are five to ten years long. There's no way that happens. It's not going to happen. They're lying to you. But if you consider that they're salesmen, that is the whole point of their job is to sell you If they tell you the market is going to go down, what are you going to do? You're going to sell your investments and pull out. So why would they tell you that? They don't want you to pull your money out of the stock market. They want you to put your money in the stock market. Because if you put your money in, they make more money. If you pull your money out, they lose money. Ask anyone that has any investments this week. That's how it works. So, yeah, they're going to lie to you. They're going to tell you that the reason that everything is going down is because of interest rate. Well, okay. So on Wednesday, we had the Fed meeting, Janet Yellen's last meeting. They didn't raise interest rates. They, they really didn't do anything. But all the talking heads are telling you that the market went down because the fear of interest rates. Okay, so that doesn't make any sense because that never happened. The next meeting happens in March. We're February 3rd. So the market doesn't react that far in advance. No, you have mostly short-term traders that are trying to make money. They're not going to do that. So that's a lie. That is a lie. The other thing is the Fed has told you the reason that they have been raising interest rates is so that when the next recession happens, they have the ability to drop interest rates. So... (laughs) They're telling you interest rates are going to go up, and in essence, the Fed told you their strategy is to do the complete opposite. So they're lying to you. They're not telling you the truth. So then what happens is you have the VIX index, and what this does is it measures market volatility. It's it's an index that basically says how risky is the market right now. (laughs) This last week, it jumped 30%, not 2%, not 5%, 30%. Because everyone's saying, get out. Everyone's saying, this is not the market you want to be in because they see the big money pulling out. The stock market doesn't work the way that it should. Typically, you would go off of earning statements. You would look and see how a company's doing. You do that investment and then you investigation, and then you would actually purchase the stock based on how it's doing. It doesn't work that way anymore. It, it doesn't. You have too many large corporations that control too much money and too much assets. When they buy something, they raise the price of that stock just by buying it. When they sell it, they drop the price of the stock just by selling it. There's your stock market. You want to make some money, just follow these large hedge funds. That's, that's, it's that simple. Okay? If you want to actually understand what's going behind the scenes, then look and see what's truly happening is they're pulling the money and putting the bonds, which is a a safety investment. Now, the interesting thing about this is you look at the state of the union, you look at what Donald Trump president of the United States said during the state of the union. And you know what? I thought it was a great speech. It was wonderful. He told me everything I want to hear. I mean, he's going to fix the infrastructure. He's going to fix our military. He's going to, Go after, you know, uh, senators and congressmen that don't go along with them. Um, he's going to, you know, help with the trade deficit. You know, he, he's going to do everything that we need to to fix this country. 
Anyone can get up there and tell you all this. It makes you feel good about it. Especially when you consider that it's a salesman who is a salesman, we all know this, who made his living as a salesman selling us on an idea that he can't fulfill. Just mathematics, he cannot fulfill it. If you look at it, he wants to spend $1.5 trillion on infrastructure. Wonderful. Yes, we need it. Yes, it's the same exact strategy that got us out of the Great Depression. Absolutely, we need to do it. We need, bro- rid- we need bridges. We need roads. Well, how long does it take to build a bridge? <laughs> it's not something that happens in a month. It's not something that happens in a year. It takes a while to do that. So if you're going to invest all this money into it, don't expect to have any return right away. It's not going to happen. The other thing is right after World War II is we had currency that was backed by gold. We had a massive unemployment, which according to the employment you know, reports coming out, we have no unemployment. I mean, it's the best in 30-some years. So technically everyone has a job. So we're going to make more jobs for people that already have jobs. See, see how the numbers don't fit? See how they don't work? So, okay, let's just go along with it. He's going to spend $1.5 trillion to build the bridges, the roads, everything. Great. Wonderful. Then he also said he's going to spend $830 billion or whatever it was on the military. Okay, great. Yes, everyone can go with the military. We're about ready to go to war with someone it just depends on who we want to pick a fight with. So, yeah, let's, and, and, you know, we need to build up our nuclear arsenal to make sure that they don't attack us. That's what Donald Trump said. You know, I mean, makes sense. So let's just spend this, these billions of dollars. Now, think of it this way. $830 billion is what he's asking for. When we went into Afghanistan after September 11th, Bush Jr. asked for 80. Eight zero versus eight zero zero with a bunch of zeros after it. That's the difference in what we're asking for. That is also the difference in the war that is coming. Afghanistan was minor compared to what we're trying to do. You don't invest $800 billion if you're a businessman into something that you don't plan on getting a return for. You don't. So we need to put this money into our military. Okay. So $1.5 trillion, got my calculator, add another $800 billion to that. Um, let's just add something else in there. You know, we, we know he wants to build the wall. I mean, he's made that abundantly clear. So he said he wants 200 and I think it was $270 billion for that, uh, for a portion of the wall, not even the whole thing, just a portion of it. So that's $270 billion. So $1.5 trillion plus $880 billion plus another $200. You, you see what I'm saying? We're already at, you know, two point, we're already at $3 trillion this year on three projects that he wants to get put in the budget. $3 trillion. <laughs> Our national debt is 20 And if you listen to any Republicans over the last – uh, let's just say 15 years, 
they harp on how we should not increase the national debt, how when it increased under Bush Jr. is a bad thing, when it increased under Obama is a really bad thing, but we're not hearing that at all to increase under Trump. If he continues on with just more than these three projects, say, you know, let's throw in the tax plan. Okay, so you're going to spend $3 trillion, and then the tax plan's adding another $1.5 trillion to the budget, to the deficit, I should say. Um, but that also means that you're bringing in less money. So we're spending money, and then we're giving money away. Okay, that sounds like how you bankrupt a company. I mean, if, if you have no money coming in and you're spending everything, your business is not going to last very long. That's just, that's just common business knowledge. You have to make more money than you spend. That, that's common sense. But we're doing the opposite. So that leaves two different scenarios. And we talked about one aspect of it, which was the tax plan, which allows the trillions of dollars of these major corporations to come in from overseas in the United States to buy whatever they want to buy. Okay. So what does Trump plan on having them buy? Well, he's opened up, you know, the reserves of, of the, you know, the, uh, national reserve. So like, you know, I know bears ears park, you know, now you can, you're going to be able to buy the property in there. Um, I know he's asking about opening up Alaska so you can purchase that land up there as well. Um, okay. So we plan on selling off all of our assets in the United States. Oh, wait, this, this reminds you of what Greece did when Greece got so far in debt with their bank. What did the banks tell them they had to do? Well, the IMF told them that they had to go and sell their assets. So they sold all of their assets, including Capitol building. They were talking about selling the Parthenon. I mean, they were selling all of these things. And now the United States is doing the same. But that's not the end of it. I mean, we know that quantitative easing has been going on since 2008, since the market tanked. And by the way, on September 29, 2008, when the market started to tank, it dropped 777. So throw that into the mix that the market just dropped 666. Maybe the next time it'll be 555. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds eerie that before the last collapse, you had an indicator like that, and then you had this one happen on Friday. But, you know, we, we know quantitative easing is coming to an end. We know that they have said they plan on scaling it back. For those of you that don't understand, is the United States currently sends, spends $80 billion a month on debt on the treasuries. They've been doing it for years. That is one reason that your market is up. The other is because these corporations, these banks, these central banks, were given money to buy stocks. That was part of the bailout that happened in 2008. So since then, they have been buying stocks. So you have the banks that have been buying up everything, bringing your market up. Okay. Well, just to give you an idea, quantitative easing will pump almost $3 trillion extra into the markets this year, 2018. They will continue with this push of expansion on their balance sheets. We are at $21.3 trillion in assets purchased by the largest central bank so far. And that includes the purchases from China. 
they expect it to jump to $24 trillion by the end of this year. So put it in comparison. United States debt right now is $20 trillion. The banks own $21 trillion worth of assets in the market. Do you see the correlation there? Do you see how money is going from one balance sheet to the next? Do you see that? It's simple. Debits, credits. That's how it is. So the banks don't plan on not purchasing more. They plan on ramping it up. And they, they actually are worried about what's happening with this transfer over into the bond market. And the reason for that is if they continue with the expansion of the bond market, well, it's going to just make it to where people are going to look at the bond market and want to purchase more bonds because they're going to see it as a, a competition to the stock market. They're going to see it as, well, I don't have to put my money into something that's risky that can go down 666 in one day or Bitcoin that can go down 40 or $400 billion in six weeks. You, you don't have to put your money in something that risky. You can put it into bonds, which is what the government's been doing $80 billion worth for the, you know, many years. But they don't want you to do that. Because if they do that, then the rates go up, they have to pay more, which means that their debt goes up, which means that Trump's plan to sell us on this infrastructure bill for $1.5 trillion then makes that expense $2 trillion or $2.5 trillion because then you're paying a higher percentage for the investors that purchase the debt to pay for all the stuff. You, you see how, how this is. This plan is just to burden the United States more, to spend more money and give it to the banks. That is how the system is set up. That is how things are developing right now. Now, <laughs> if we continue down this trend, which we are going to, we are going to see the dollar lose value. And that is part of the plan. Um, I, I know that, um, you know, the, I think it was a Fed, who was it, the Fed chairman or someone came out just recently. No, it was, it was Steve Mnuchin, the, the Treasury Secretary, that actually came out and said a weaker dollar is better for the United States than a stronger dollar. Okay. So what does that mean? If we have a stronger dollar, the purchasing power of your dollar goes farther. And, and the easiest way to put it is if you have $1 in the United States and then you take it to Europe and that $1 can buy $5 worth of stuff in Europe, you're happy because it costs you less to buy stuff in Europe. If that $1 in the United States, you take it to Europe and you can buy $0.25 cents worth of stuff, you're not as happy because it costs you more to go to Europe and do it. So a strong dollar is better for Americans in that aspect of it. A strong dollar is better for the world economy because then they're able to have their products be cheaper for American to purchase. If the dollar loses value, it becomes more expensive for Americans to buy goods, which means that the rest of the world that brings goods to the United States can't bring as much to us because we can't afford it because it's too expensive. So then we don't buy the products. So then those countries, those companies lose money. We saw this in 2008. This is no secret. This is how things work. 
When, when we started printing money to devalue our currency, the rest of the world started printing money faster to devalue their currencies faster because they wanted to be able to sell things to us. Well, we're starting to do that now. We're, we're going to because we have to. And Japan and Europe both see it. And they both say this is a direct attack against their currencies because their economies are struggling. They're in big trouble. Japan's been in trouble for you know, 30 years. Europe is in trouble because look at Europe. It's in chaos right now. If we do a currency war against those two countries, which is in essence what this is, it's going to cause those economies to falter even more. Now, this is by design. The, the, when you have a global currency, which is the United States dollar is a global currency, when you have a global reserve currency, if the other currencies cannot compete and you devalue your currency, they have to devalue it faster, they will hit zero before you hit zero. When they hit zero, they have no choice but to go to your currency because their currency is junk at that point. That's the game. That is what they started in 08. That is what they tried to stop. Well, now we're going to continue that. But China, Russia, and the BRICS nations, they learned from 08. They learned from what was going on, and they plan on creating something to make it so that way we, as Americans, don't cause their currency to go to zero. I mean, Russia is completely debt-free at this point. They paid off all of the debt from the crash of the USSR. They have not allowed the banks to then put them in more debt. That's why our sanctions don't do anything to them. They're working outside of our monetary system. Same thing Cuba did for 50 years. Same thing Venezuela is trying to do right now. Same thing North Korea does. Same thing Iran does. You see a trend. Every country the United States has hates is a country that works outside of our banking system. That is how it works. And I'm, <laughs> if you don't believe me, then look at what Venezuela is going to do on February 20th. On February 20th, Venezuela starts the pre-sale of the Petro, which is a cryptocurrency that is backed by the largest oil reserve in the world, which is under Venezuela. Now, you know, the proponents out there say, well, Venezuela, if they have the largest reserve of oil, they should be incredibly wealthy. Look at Saudi Arabia. There's no reason those people should be starving. You know, it's all because, you know, Maduro is, is, a, is a horrible human being and he wants to, to kill his people. Well, that's not necessarily true. Maduro actually tried to do everything he could the right way. He tried to go through the banking system in the United States, and the banking system in the United States was shut off from him by the Trump administration. They would not allow him to get loans. His country was falling apart. Yeah, he brought the military to get it under control, and then he went to Russia and China and asked for help. This is where it gets interesting. Because just in December, just a month ago, Maduro defaulted on his loans, did not pay the bank. The bank was talking about going in and seizing assets 
which when they mean seizing assets, they mean taking over the oil companies in Venezuela. Instead of that happening and allowing the United States banks to take control of the oil companies in Venezuela, Maduro made a deal with Russia. Got enough money to pay off his debt or his loans that he took out from those banks from Russia, in return gave half of the largest oil company in Venezuela the ownership of that company to Russia. So <laughs> this is a conscious effort to make sure that the U.S. banking system did not take control of an, the largest oil company on top of the largest oil reserve in the world. But Russia has control of it now. And now they are going to release a cryptocurrency that is backed by this that is going to mean that currency for every coin is going to be equivalent to the one barrel of oil. Well, this is ingenious because right now oil is low. It has been low for a long time. I mean, people can say it just jumped up to $66. This is amazing because it's gone up to 66. Oh, that's low because we know that it's going to ultimately get to a hundred, possibly 200 or more. So with this cryptocurrency that is going to be backed by oil, when we go into a major war or conflict or oil crisis or whatever you may see that's going to happen, that cryptocurrency is going to continue to go up. That value is going to continue to go up. And if anyone challenges this cryptocurrency, you have the Russian military on its side in Venezuela. So what is the United States going to do? Are they going to allow this cryptocurrency that is backed by oil to take over, to allow their banking system to not seize assets in other countries and allow other countries to follow suit with what Venezuela did to go to China and Russia for help, to go to the BRICS nations for help, to get out of their debt in the United States banking system to then join a different banking system. Do you think that the central banks – or the Trump administration, or the United States deep state, or whoever is making this memo, or whatever you want to call them, do you think they're going to allow this to spread? No, they're not going to. And Tillerson, Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State of the United States, gave you a hint at what their plans are doing. They've used this tactic in the past. You've seen it in Iraq, you've seen it in Libya, you've seen it everywhere. Where if the United States does not like who is in control of a government, we back the rebel group until they take over the government, and then we place our leader, look at Afghanistan, look at Karzai, we did that in Afghanistan. Look at the Kurds, we backed the Kurds until we didn't back the Kurds. <laughs> it's the same system. Rex Tillerson came out saying hmm, he anticipates that the Venezuelan military will probably turn on Maduro and take over the Venezuelan country, take over the Venezuelan government. Interesting that he said this as he is making a tour, <laughs> a tour of Central and South America where he is going through and receiving booze and everything else as he goes through Mexico, Argentina, Peru, Colombia, and Jamaica. Spreading his message, saying that he anticipates a coup to happen in Venezuela. Okay. How does that make sense? We know 
they tried to do the same thing in Syria. And what did Russia do? They stepped in. They said, no, you're not taking Assad. You're not taking over Syria. We are putting our military bases in here. And if you try to do anything, we're going to shoot you down. We are talking about money to the scale that none of us can comprehend what this is going to entail. Do you really think Russia is going to allow the military in Venezuela to rise up? Do you really think that Russia is going to allow the United States government to manipulate Venezuela to take over that oil reserve and to destroy the petrol? If you don't think that Russia is going to allow that, then we have a major issue happening in South America. And that's going to spread. We know that there was a massive attack on the police stations in Ecuador. There was another attack in um, uh, Colombia that happened against police as well. We also have Honduras that is in complete chaos right now because of their elections, because they say their elections are rigged. And then we have Mexico, where there are shootouts in the streets, where I think I saw it was 25 people died in one shootout with the cartel in Mexico. Now, the reason I bring up the cartel is, well, here's Russia again. And the reason you can say that Russia is tied to the cartel is because they said they were going to. Two years ago, when everything happened in Ukraine, or three years ago, whenever that happened, we were arming the separatist group in Ukraine to make sure that Russia did not take over more than Crimea. Russia came out saying, if you give weapons to Ukraine, we will give weapons to the cartel in Mexico. The United States gave weapons to Ukraine, so what do you think Russia did? They gave weapons to the cartel in Mexico. Why do you think we're pushing for a wall so much? Because we created this issue on our southern border. We did all of this. So, yeah, if you want to pretend that this memo that came out that is saying everything is against the Trump administration and nothing is involving or anything, go ahead and continue watching the talking heads and follow that narrative and don't actually pay attention to anything that's truly happened. Don't pay attention that there was 12 Republican senators and congressmen, they're on a chartered train that had no other, that had no civilians on it whatsoever. They had security the whole line of the train, and they got hit by a trash truck, and the train got derailed, and the only person to die was the driver of the trash truck? And this happened the day after the State of the Union and the day before the memo was released. But don't pay attention to that. That's just a coincidence. That's not a hit or someone trying to assassinate anyone, or anything like that. That's just coincidence. Just like it's coincidence what's happening in Venezuela. It's coincidence what's happening with the cartel in Mexico. It's coincidence why Europe and Japan are upset with us. It's coincidence. It's not by design. Just keep believing that. Just keep believing what they are telling you because they're lying to you. And they've been lying to you. And... If you don't want to believe me, you don't have to believe me. I also believe that numbers will tell you everything. Numbers show you the truth. Any manager or 
leader of a corporation manages by numbers, they see that. So what do you think happens when the market drops 1,300 points in a week, when it ends on the number 666? When we're going into a week when the United States government needs to come up with a, a budget that is going to equivalent to 5 to $10 billion, and to do that, they have to get rid of the debt ceiling. And no one's talking about it, and we have four days. So go ahead and turn on the news and listen to what they are telling you, because obviously they're telling you the truth. So Matthew, I'm going to hand it back over to you, but... Those of you that want to know the truth, you need to be aware that right now we are not being told the truth. Everything is there, but the ones that are deciphering the information for you are lying to you. So that's my piece, Matthew. I'll hand it back over to you. Very conspiratorial there. Uh you kind of rattled my cage there, Clinton. Um, a trash truck goes into a secured train. Now, you didn't use that verbology, but you, you didn't have to, Clinton. There was no other civilians on the train. That means it was a secured transport, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't you understand? That was a secured transport. Uh, just like... Uh, there's no civilians on, I don't know, Air Force One or uh, their beast limousine. Now, I will say this. This week, me and my wife did a tiny chat because we felt it necessary. And if you're missing the tiny chats that I do... I suggest you get involved because uh, you're missing half the information that I give out freely. But no one understand this, that alphanumerically, 666 is right there quite plain in the Hebrew text twice in Daniel chapter 7. It's encoded into verse 14 and verse 23. I'm going to read one verse from there. It's going to rattle your cage a little bit because the next event that is going to rattle the timeline is this verse. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. Whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to go back to this chapter and know and understand in your heart that the four winds that stir up the waters is the four riders, and it really tells you quite plainly that this is done periodically. And the last beast that rises is after a time. It's implied in the text itself 
a great swath of time between the first three and the last one. And ladies and gentlemen, please understand that this is why you're told at the beginning of Daniel chapter 7 that Daniel is laying on his bed. That's why you're told that because, well, verse 9 is supposed to stand out to you because if God just sat down, that means he was somewhere else. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord your God just don't wander around. One question I have for Clinton. Multiple times you used the integer 80 associated with the term billion. I need some clarification. I could have swore that you said that 80 billion was the amount that Bush asked for to enter Afghanistan. Then, a little while later, I could have swore you said 80 billion was being invested by the banks on a weekly basis. I, I So, will you please clarify? Did you get your numbers mixed up, or can you just clarify that for me personally? Clinton. You know, the the numbers are the numbers that I remember, and I do believe it is 80 in, in both of those cases. Um, I checked, uh, I've watched a video actually this last week that reminded me about what Bush asked for. That's the only reason that the 80 billion start, sparked with me. I also remember that, well, it's part of the, the quantitative easing, and I can't remember if it was one, two, three, or four that made it to where they were going to spend 80 billion per month on the bond market. But, I mean, that was something I studied quite a bit in in 2010, 11, and 12. Okay, so thank you for the clarification. It's not a week, it's a month. You're... Yes. You you, you cannot be serious. You... let, Let my mind try to grasp what you're talking about. These banksters are investing the total amount which cost this country to go to war in Afghanistan. It's costing us that much every month. My God, has somebody lost their mind? You're going to hyperinflate the currency, Clinton. There's no way you can't be hyperinflating the currency. And and look, look, Clinton, right now, you have to understand that many historical sites in the South are being torn down because those historical sites have, have a Confederate generals, right? But you made it perfectly clear that we're going to follow suit with Greece. So, ladies and gentlemen, right now, you need to stop all of those monuments being destroyed because we need to sell them. Oh, my God. You are saying that the banks are investing the total amount it took us to invade Afghanistan. We're spending that a month to falsely prop up the markets? Has somebody lost their minds? 
And God have mercy. All you people worry about is the Super Bowl. Clinton, is there anything else that can result from this except hyperinflation? Anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they could ultimately just say they're not going to use the dollar anymore. Um, you know, I mean, they could do that. Or they could say, hey, we're going to go to uh, a cryptocurrency that everyone has to use online. I mean, there's there's different ways that you can try to get out of this facade. The only thing is you have to realize that the ones that put this game in place are the ones that have a large portion of money, so they have a large stake in it, so they won't necessarily go that route. Oh, 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 Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I don't, I can't wrap my mind around this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, all this aside, you need to familiar yourself, you need to familiarize yourself with Daniel chapter uh, 7. And please know and understand that, that, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. You can place that as a pinhead in the book of Revelation. It's after the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. He's describing to you... You won't listen, will you? You have... You have paid your shepherds to convince you that Jesus is going to have a secret return. And I I beg of you to please consider that the Bible's telling you the truth. This week, we're going to take a special break. We're going to listen to a news uh, from the Big Wobble. I've spoken with Gary several times. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you this. As Clinton was speaking, it was worrying me. Because something kept coming to my mind, and I just couldn't shake it, and I know I shouldn't talk about it. I'm supposed to talk about the news, but I need to talk about this. Please go to Psalm 110. Please do that. And as you look over it, Please consider what it is that verse 2 means, because it means something. It says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Verse 3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast dew of thy youth. 
ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way that his rod of strength can go and stretch all the way from the heavenly throne room on Mount Zion all the way to the earth. That rod of iron is critically important. It's comprised of two parts. And please believe that the Lord your God told you the truth. And just for once in your life, please, just just for once in your life, believe what he said and ignore what everybody else is saying. <laughs> the banksters are investing the same amount every month that we needed to invade Afghanistan. And the only thing everybody's worried about is if they bought enough ice and enough beer for the Super Bowl. God have mercy. I'm Gary Walton, and welcome to the Big Wobble. It has been a remarkable week around the Pacific Ring of Fire, the most remarkable week I can remember in my 10 years of vlogging. I can't remember ever witnessing so many events, major quakes, volcano activity, many linked together, and most remarkable, so many near misses. It began last Sunday when a magnitude 6.3 struck Chile, which was the fifth major quake of January. Then on Monday, the Ribal Volcanological Observatory in Papua New Guinea claimed activity on the volatile Cordova Island Kano had jumped to dynamic with a white steam plume rising high into the Papua New Guinea sky. Also on Monday, Mount Mayon in the Philippines the most active volcano finally exploded thunderously with the explosion sending superheated lava, molten rocks and steam high into the Philippine sky. And then on Tuesday, a magnitude 6.0 struck Indonesia. It was the sixth major quake of 2018 and it happened less than a hundred kilometers from Indonesia's active and erratic Mount Agung volcano on the island of Bali. Mount Agung, of course, has been exploding and rumbling since September. Also on Tuesday, Mount Kusatsu Shirana erupted in Japan, killing one and injuring eleven, with some of them critical and at least 78 skiers were also trapped as exploding rocks caused an avalanche. Tuesday, a massive magnitude 8.2 reduced to a magnitude 7.8 hit the coast of Kodiak Island, causing a tsunami panic to Alaska and the entire western coast of Canada and the US. Incredibly, not one person was hurt, and no damage was reported. 
On Wednesday, Fukushima was rocked as a magnitude 6.2 hit Mutsu, Japan. It, the earthquake came less than 200 kilometers from the Kuatsu Shirana volcano, which erupted the day before, killing a soldier. On Thursday, a magnitude 6.2 in Russia rocked the Pacific Ring once again, and it was once again very close to the very active Sopka volcano in Kamchatka. The west coast of the US is still waiting for the big one. It was a near miss on Friday when a magnitude 5.8 struck west of Ferndale, California, after a week of near misses. Saturday, another major quake, another near miss. A magnitude 6.3 north of Madang, Papua New Guinea, just east of the extremely volatile Cordova Island volcano. And then on Sunday we come full circle as a magnitude 5.7 southeast of Padasi in Panama, just miles from the very active Turrialbo volcano in Costa Rica. It was the most incredible week, and apart from the quakes on the US West Coast, every major quake last week struck very close to an active volcano. Apart from the dead soldier in Japan, you can say last week we got very, very lucky indeed. Now, here are the rest of the week's headlines. On Monday, a rare snowstorm caused devastation as flights, train services and highways were disrupted as hordes of workaholic Japanese were told to heed official advice and head home early to preempt a rare snowstorm in Tokyo. Also on Monday, the Aussie flu virus, H3N2, was reported to be killing around 100 people per week in the US, while flu fatalities have soared by 77% in just one week in England. On Wednesday, around 80,000 people were in a state of zero visibility as explosion-type earthquakes caused nearly 60,000 people to be evacuated as volatile Mount Mayon volcano prepared to blow. Also on Wednesday, almost 100 aftershocks had rocked Kodiak Island after the magnitude 7.9 quake as millions got lucky along the US and Canada once again. The aftershocks were in the high fives. It was also revealed this week that 4 million people will be allowed just two and a half buckets of water per person per day from the 1st of February as zero day looms for Cape Town as the water runs dry. It is thought Cape Town will be the first city in the world to run out of drinking water.
The problem comes after three years of severe drought. On Wednesday, the most romantic river in the world, the River Seine in Paris, was flooding parts of the city. The river was likely to hit its highest mark in over a century, more than four metres above its normal height. It is the second flooding since 2016, which was once a once-every-fifty-year event. It was the seventh named storm of the winter, Storm Georgina, named by the Irish Met Office. It made landfall along the whole of the western coast of Europe after smashing into the UK and Ireland with gale force winds of 90 miles per hour and torrential rain causing more devastating flooding for people in the UK. Once again, the second time this month, and only the third time in 50 years, Morocco, the gateway to the Sahara Desert, North Africa, has nearly 1 million people in danger from temperatures as low as minus 7 degrees centigrade and heavy snow in the unprecedented cold for the area. On the other end of the scale, deaths were predicted this weekend as South Australia, Victoria and parts of New South Wales had temperatures reaching 50 degrees centigrade. That's an astonishing 122 degrees Fahrenheit. It was so hot, the men's tennis final had to be played indoors in Melbourne. And with 10.5 million cubic metres of pyroclastic material deposits, the volatile Mount Mayon continued its heightened activity with three eruptions during the night in the Philippines. As a massive quake struck just off the island of Kodiak this week, in Alaska, a boy out in the Gulf of Alaska at station 46410, a deep ocean data collector, sent data back to the mainland showing a massive 35 foot 10 meter spike in water displacement off the coast of Kodiak Island. A tsunami warning was issued, of course, but the warning turned out to be nothing more than a malfunction. Well, folks, that's it for week four. Thanks for watching, and I hope I'll see you all again next week. Bye-bye. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. This February the 3rd, 2018. Well, break was provided by Gary over at The Big Wobble. Dot .org uh, please go by and check him out. I uh I watch him. That's one of my news sources. Uh, another big one that I guess I should uh talk about is uh, the watchers uh dot .news. Go over there and uh, check them out. Uh they do both sites uh do a very good job uh at keeping track of earth change news. So, with that being said, um, Brian, it is your turn at the mic. You have the saddle. The floor is yours.
All right. I just did. Where do I begin here? I'm going to touch on this little topic before we go much further, and this concerns, obviously, the developments that happened here in uh, the current administration in the United States with this infamous release, the memo uh, nonsense that's been going on, because as everybody knows, they big fight, they tried to stop it. Uh, the intelligence agencies warned multiple times that this thing should not be released. There all kinds of reasoning in this where they did not want this to hit, uh, be released to the public. And the fact alone that they pointed out is that the facts are misleading. They didn't put in enough information for people to understand what was going on here. But I would have to say two of my biggest issues here with this is first, people, do you have such short-term memory loss that you don't remember how the uh, chain of events played out during the election cycle? Because you would have been able to see right through a lot of this right then and there. But nobody remembers how these things went during 2016. Secondly, folks, you need to start checking facts. See, that is how they get away with these things is everybody just takes what they want from whatever side they lean to, and then they turn around, they repeat everything that comes out of that side, and vice versa. Are both sides guilty of it? Oh, you better believe it. And we have got such a divide in this nation right now where nobody's sitting in the middle looking around going, well, what's actually really going on? And it's gotten to the stage of ridiculousness at this stage. Now, what we had happen here for one thing is everybody is convinced that somehow this infamous Steele dossier was what started the entire Russian investigation. Folks, early on during the election cycle, there were rumblings all over the place concerning ties with Russia and people within Trump's group running during the election cycle. This was all over the place. It was coming out nonstop. Way way before the Steele dossier even was ever alluded to. And yet everybody's forgotten about this. On top of it, where did the initial funding actually come from for this dossier? Well, it was started by a right-wing conservative group that has their own news site, Washington Free Beacon. Later on, the DNC dumped about 160-some thousand dollars for donations into continued, continued investigation with this. Now, on top of it, the one that almost, you really have to shake your head because Carter Page was the initial big contention point about the FISA um Surveillance uh, warrants. But what they failed to mention is he had been under surveillance since 2013, not starting in 2016. Okay, folks, you can look 
into this information quite extensively from reliable news sources when this information came out. Now, on top of it, they, you know, the big one everybody pointed out was, well, all of this investigation was started with Steele, but they know that Papadopoulos got caught shooting his mouth off, drunk at a bar, blah, blah, blah. But again, we still have to go and reverse people, and you've got to start remembering things that happen prior to this because this has been happening on a constant basis within the news cycles. They turn around and they say one thing, and then a few weeks later they change the narrative and nobody notices. Let me give a very famous um, incident that goes quite a ways back. There was a terror attack hijacking a plane, bombing. I can't remember exactly how it played out. But nonetheless, they reported for multiple months on end that Syria was involved. This was common knowledge. Everybody knew that the previous Assad was the one behind that terror attack. But then lo and behold, suddenly they wanted access to Libya. Of course, we know multiple reasons. The main big one, obviously, is oil. That's just what happened the last time around the ride. And they suddenly changed the narrative and said, Libya did it. And everybody's attention attention deficit disorder kicked in. They forgot what happened five minutes before. You've got to keep an eye out for these things, folks. You've got to start fact-checking this stuff. You've got to look into these things on a continual basis because if you're going to be spoon-fed the narratives they want you to see, well, they can get away with all kinds of stuff. And it's just gotten to the point where it's gotten disgusting. And what's happening right now in the United States of America is it's going to show that, A, the rule of law no longer matters. So what does that mean? Oh, everybody knows what anarchy is, don't they? But here's another consideration. You see, either we got one of two circumstances here because... Uh, President Trump being asked yesterday, and I like how Matthew brought this up to me last week because he's absolutely correct. You're aware that nobody refers to him as President Trump. Nobody. But nonetheless, as he brought up in an interview yesterday, well, are you going to fire this certain uh, leader within the FBI? And he goes, I'll let you figure that out. For Pete's sakes. We got one of two narratives that's about to play out here, folks, in broad daylight in the United States of America, never mind the fact of what's happening with the economy. We've either got, A, the night of the long knives about to play out, and they are going to go through and remove everybody that's standing in their way, or B, we're about to see Kennedy play out again in broad daylight. Everybody remember what happened when he came in. When Kennedy came into office, he went after the CIA right off the get-go. What happened later down the line? This is a dangerous move that's been set into motion here in the United States. And either way that this plays out, it's not going to be good. So this little circumstance that happened here this week, this is going to have major repercussions. Now we're going to move forward, starting with the news 
beginning from, well, where we left off last Saturday, the things that were released in the meantime since we went on air. We had coming out of uh, Syria concerning what's going on there with the Kurdish people and uh, Turkey's renewed Ottoman Empire uh, moves to go in and with the invasion there in Afrin. And as we had brought up, they basically had warned the United States, you better get out of uh, Manbij because we're coming there next. Well, here's what America had to say. Coalition, we will continue to stay in Manbij unless told otherwise. That's the United States leader that's there in Manbij stating this. There's been multiple warnings coming out of varied news sources that Turkey and the United States might be about ready to tangle in Syria. Oh, this could get ugly real quick. There's so many details going on with the situation with Turkey leaping into Syria. Of course, they're still bombing people in northern Iraq as well, which you'll see sporadic little flares in news sources mention this. I told people to keep an eye on uh, this group. I believe it was last week. Israeli nationalist settler confesses to multiple attacks on Palestinians. Israeli settler has admitted to attempting to run over Palestinians for nationalist reasons in serial incidents, including one involving a street cleaner who was hired by the West Bank Israeli town of Belair Elet, where the settlers reside. 25-year-old settler was arrested last Wednesday after the Arab Street Cleaner filed a complaint which alleges that he pulled up in his car and repeatedly attempted to run over the cleaner after ascertaining that he spoke Arabic. Folks, this story comes out of I-24 News or Israeli 24 News. Fairly long story here I'm not going to go into, but it's entitled from, you can find this on consortiumnews.com, miscalculations in Israel could pave way to wider war. I would go into looking into this. It brings up some details concerning Mike Pence and his latest speech in Israel last week. And, well, essentially a whole lot of other odds and ends here with what the uh, two administrations have been working hand-in-hand on. Okay, timesofisrael.com. UN envoy warns Gaza on verge of full collapse. This is all in light of the fact that the United States has decided they are going to pull out any funding going towards the Palestinians. Now, if everybody remembers what happened last year, they had problems with one of the power plants in the Gaza Strip where they were not able to keep the lights on in these spots and there's times throughout the week where they had to limit it to turning on the lights for a few hours once a week it's been causing all kinds of turmoil in the Gaza Strip and there's been a whole heck of a lot more happening there as well so just pulling a couple paragraphs out of this article Senior United Nations official on Tuesday warned the Palestinian coastal enclave of the Gaza Strip was on the verge of full collapse. 
U.M. Middle East peace envoy Nikolai Mayadinov said to a key to saving Gaza from disaster was restoring the government of Palestinian Authority President Mohammed Abbas to power there, a decade after it was forced out of the Islamist terror group Hamas. Without the Gaza risks exploding in our face again, this time in a far more deadly and violent manner than in the past. Mladenov said in the annual conference of Israel's Institute for National Security Studies in Tel Aviv. This goes on to explain a few more odds and ends here. Earlier this month, the White House froze around $100 million in contributions to UNRWA, the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, after the Palestinians announced they would no longer accept the U.S. as a mediator in peace talks with Israel. Palestinians were angered after U.S. President Donald Trump on December 6th recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, though he stressed that he was not specifying the boundaries of Israeli sovereignty in the city and called for no change in the status quo at the Holy City's site. I often say publicly in UN Security Council briefings and in other formats, that we're in the midst of a major humanitarian crisis, Mladenov said. Let me be very clear today here that we are well beyond that, he added. We're on the verge of total systems failure in Gaza with full collapse of the economy, social services, political, humanitarian, and security implications stemming from that. And we cut off funding in the midst of this. That's, that's, wow. Times Israel again. Hezbollah threatens to open fire on IDF source soldiers building border fence. Hezbollah has threatened to open fire at IDF soldiers if Israel does not halt the construction of a barrier along the Israel-Lebanon border. Shadat TV reported Monday. And folks, we talked about this last week about how they are creeping further and further into Syria from the Golan Heights with this uh, spot where they are trying to have the buffer zone between Iran and that northern border of Israel. This is causing all sorts of problems. There was a huge article that came out in The Intercept last week, folks detailing all of this. Now, this is uh, was brought up by uh, Matthew last night in the program that Clinton and him did. Here's the story. And it was essentially titled in the, where I found it, the story nobody's talking about. Trump's South Korean ambassador to pick, uh, ambassador pick opposed attacking the North Trump dumped him. His first State of the Union speech, President Donald Trump devoted a large amount of time discussing the situation with North Korea. He described the country much in the same way that George Bush had described Iraq in 2002. It was a brutal, irrational regime whose weapons pose an intolerable threat to the American homeland. This goes on to basically point out Double check this one. 
this basically uh, goes on to point out that this guy was is basically one of the top diplomats concerning North Korea. He has major concerns about what's about to happen due to the fact that basically he's standing against a first strike on North Korea, which by the looks of things is getting closer to reality than everybody realizes, and that's why they got rid of this guy. Rather uh, alarming in light of all the other fronts, America seems like they're about to move on. We have, once again, it's been spoken about in depth. So we have February 8th is another infamous United States government shutdown is on the horizon. No progress as dreamers, on dreamers as another U.S. shutdown looms. It's going nowhere whatsoever. Once again, the main contending point the Democrats had during this uh, budget standoff that just happened, well, it's not being resolved whatsoever, and we might be looking at another shutdown on the 8th. And just today we had reports coming out that this is one of the big things that people are concerned about moving into next week as far as the economic ramifications as what's been going on in Wall Street with the Dow dropping and everything else. Another uh, article out there, folks, go and uh, take a look for this one. You can find this at, let's see, almazdarnews.com. It is entitled, How Regional Rivalries Threaten to Fuel the Fire in Syria and Iran. It's rather extensive. This details many of the different things that are going on throughout the Middle East right now. The Kurds, for instance, Turkey, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, this goes on and on and on. That's why I'm saying look it up. It has a lot of information. <clears throat> Israel, Lebanon, clash over offshore energy, raising tensions. Folks, I think we've covered this probably nonstop about the Tamar and Leviathan natural gas line uh, deposits that have been found there out off the shores of Israel. Well, this is causing contention again. Israel described a very as very provocative on Wednesday a Lebanese offshore oil and Gas exploration tender in disputed territory on the country's maritime border and said it was a mistake for international firms to participate. What do they mean by that there, folks? Well, America, American uh, oil and gas companies have had their hands knee-deep in this, and I think we talked about this several months ago. They don't point that out in this article, but nonetheless, that's why they point out international movement within this. So let's see here. Lebanese political and military movement Hezbollah vowed to defend the country's oil and gas rights against Israeli threats. One more just added piece of tension between Israel and Lebanon. Here comes more tension. U.S. sanctions six 
people, seven firms, under rules targeting Hezbollah. The Trump administration attacked Hezbollah's financial network on Friday by imposing sanctions on six people and seven entities in an effort to turn back Iran's influence in the Middle East and beyond. The administration is determined to expose and disrupt Hezbollah's network, including those across the Middle East and West Africa, used to fund their illicit operations. Treasury Secretary Stephen Munich said, announcing the penalties under financial regulations targeting the Lebanon-based Hezbollah militant group. Again, stories nobody's talking about. Afghan president demands Pakistan act against Taliban. The Afghan president on Friday accused neighboring Pakistan of failing to move the Taliban and pledged a new security plan for Kabul after hundreds of people were killed and wounded in two deadly attacks on the capital last month. Afghanistan has long accused Pakistan of aiding terrorists by giving shelter and aid to leaders of the Taliban and insurgency a charge denied by Pakistan, which points to the thousands of its own citizens killed by military violence over the years. I've talked about this a billion different times, folks. You need to look into Pakistan's connections with all the things that have been going on since 2001. Let us not forget where they found bin Laden, folks. He was hiding out in a cushy little place inside of Pakistan for a very long time. There's a lot of rumble between the intelligence communities and quite a few different investigative journalists out there that have found ties between the Pakistani intelligence network, the ISI, and connections with these terror groups, which, of course, they deny it may be years before the full reality of the truth of what's been going on here comes to light. But nonetheless, that's what the common stance has been this on top of it is probably why Trump at the beginning of the year started blasting Pakistan and all the uh, problems came in with the alliance with Pakistan and the United States at that stage okay and Clinton had touched on this momentarily Yes, and what Tillerson did yesterday is a little bit off the charts. Mexico says it would never support a violent solution to Venezuela crisis. Mexico's foreign minister said on Friday that Mexico would never support a violent solution to the crisis in Venezuela, whether internal or external. A day after U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson raised the prospect of a military uprising. Folks, he goes into South America and calls for a coup to happen in Venezuela in broad daylight. Wow. Another story that started floating around last week. There was a uh, possible chemical warfare attack of what sounded like it was chlorine gas in the war in Syria last week. But then all of a sudden, this started to float into the forefront. Here's the headline out of Reuters. U.S. Mattis says concerned about Syria's potential use of sarin gas. 
Now, if you start looking through the multiple reports that came out on this topic, there's claims that are being made that they've started a brand new uh, chemical weapons factory, that things are being shipped there. All kinds of entertaining little tidbits are suddenly floating around all over the place. And lo and behold, they're bringing sarin gas into the equation again. But what happened this week as well? Well, earlier in the week, the Sochi talks began again with Syria. Russia, Turkey, Iran. And in the midst of the week, all of a sudden, they start spouting sarin gas again. America is still opposed to Assad staying on that seat. And as we can see these rumblings continue as they drop these little tidbits in to get public opinion all flared up again. Well, guess what? Yeah, they're not done in Syria, folks. They're not even close to being done. And you can see it on a continual basis if you watch the little blippets that are hitting the news over and over and over again. And on top of it, we also had the U.S. Treasury accusing China of aiding Maduro in murky deals. U.S. Treasury's top economic diplomat, David Melpes, on Friday accused China of enabling poor governance in Venezuela by propping up the socialist government of President Nicolas Maduro through the murky oil for loan investments. It was touched on earlier in the program with Russia's ties into this. This We've talked about this nonstop for I don't know how long now, folks. With the petrodollar, with all the different things that are going on behind the scenes. China and Russia's talk about going back to gold. One belt, one road. This goes for days. Spoke about this last week. It's gotten literally insane in Egypt. Egypt opposition slams President Sisi's warning to opponents. A political coalition including several high-profile Egyptians sharply criticized President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi on Friday for a speech in which he warned off anyone seeking to challenge his rule amid growing calls for a boycott on the presidential elections. Folks, there's practically nobody running against him right now. Every time somebody steps up, they're removed. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but how do you have a vote when there's only one dude running? That doesn't add up now, does it? (sighs) With an eye on Russia, U.S. to increase nuclear capabilities. While everybody was distracted yesterday by the Washington nonsense And fiasco, they passed this bill through. Concerned about Russia's growing tactical nuclear weapons, the United States will expand its nuclear capabilities. A policy document released on Friday said a move some critics say could increase the risk of miscalculation between the two countries. It represents the latest sign of hardening resolve by President Donald Trump's administration to address challenges from Russia at the same time he is pushing improved ties with Moscow to rein in nuclear North Korea. 
Now, folks, the latest security document, we talked about this over and over again, has nothing to do with the war on terror anymore. It has to do with America holding its imperialistic stronghold. Why anybody that's posing a major power threat to the United States where they went in and they singled out Russia and China. And what is the easiest way for them to come in and mess with both in one shot? Ah, pay attention here. Right in the first line of this headline. Exclusive. North Korea earned $200 million from banned exports, sent arms to Syria and Myanmar. North Korea violated United Nations sanctions to earn nearly $200 million in 2017 from banned commodity exports, according to a confidential report by independent UN monitors, which also accused Yongyang of supplying weapons to Syria and Myanmar. Folks, we just brought up Syria. How many times have I pointed out that Myanmar is one of the most important ports in the One Belt, One Road initiative? As soon as this thing started moving forward, Myanmar exploded with attacks by Buddhists. Let me repeat myself. Yes, Buddhists started attacking the Muslim population there. This thing has exploded out of control. Germany grants asylum to alleged Turkey plotters. Germany has granted asylum to four Turkish soldiers, including one Ankara accuses of playing a leading role in the failed military coup of July 2016, a new setback for relations between the two countries, weekly magazine Der Spiegel reported. More trouble with Turkey. More trouble between Germany and Turkey. Oh, boy. Had this released yesterday, too, while everybody was looking each and every which way. Russia approves warplane deployment on disputed island near Japan. Dmitry Menov has approved the deployment of Russian warplanes on a disputed island near Japan, accelerating the area's militarization at a time when Moscow ties with Tokyo are strained over the roll out of a U.S. missile system. See here, this goes on to give a little bit of history. The island was one of four seized by Soviet forces at the end of World War II and is located off the northeast coast of Hokkaido, Japan's biggest prefecture. The dispute over the islands, known as the Curlies in Russia and Northern Territories in Japan, is so acrimonious that Moscow and Tokyo have not yet signed a peace treaty to mark the end of the war. Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates suffer a setback, suffer Yemen setback as allies fall out. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have pumped billions of dollars into fighting Houthi rebels in Yemen, but the Gulf states' three-year campaign risks are being derailed 
after their local allies turn on each other this week. Yeah, folks, a civil war broke out amongst the groups that are fighting against the uh, Shiite Houthi in Yemen. Now, on top of it, there was a report that circulated out earlier in the week, and one of our listeners, I believe, not really too clear on this, asked a question. It's a good thing to ask questions sometimes if you don't know. Basically, what the article stated was that Saudi Arabia had hit an area that killed tons of civilians in Yemen. And it was asked if this was true. Well, folks, this has been happening nonstop. Saudi Arabia has been in there bombing nonstop, backing the group against the Houthi, while the United States is giving all the intelligence and basically directing the entire thing. So, yeah, this has been absolute pandemonium and chaos in Yemen with Saudi Arabia having a huge amount to do with this. And on top of it, the uh, the crown prince that has basically pretty much thrown his little coup and taken over Saudi Arabia has been the biggest one behind all of this. And actually, that's... Uh, one of the fact-checking ones I brought up earlier. The article is basically entitled Carter Page Touted Kremlin Contacts in 2013 Letter. Like I brought up, folks, before, this has been going on since 2013. Not Didn't start during 2016 in the election cycle. They've had him under surveillance for a while. And this was released. No idea. Not going to spend all day looking for the uh, date on that. Today, Syrian rebels downed a Russian plane and killed the pilot. Syrian rebels shot down a Russian warplane on Saturday and killed his pilot on the ground after he ejected from the plane, Russian Defense Ministry and Syrian rebels said. So this is supposedly a group that is aligned with, used to be aligned with Al-Qaeda inside of Syria. Times Israel. Burkhart said the U.S. is pushing a Palestinian coup. Tells Nikki Haley to shut up. Senior Palestinian official Urquhart on Saturday accused the Trump administration of trying to depose the Palestinian leadership in a coup and told the imprudent U.S. envoy to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she should shut up with her criticism of Palestinian Authority President Mohammed Abbas. Who has led the Palestinian peace negotiations and a security general of the Palestinian Liberation Organization singled out Haley, who slammed Abbas for a recent speech that was full of anti-Semitic tropes. Urquhart said that Haley's imprudence has gone as far as calling for removing Abbas from power. She has called for overthrowing the democratically elected Palestinian president. Urquhart complained in an interview with the Palestinian. Al-Watan Voice News website. This is the president who led the peace process and promoted the principle of the two-state solution, Urquhart said, referring to Abbas. Now this U.S. ambassador is accusing him of lacking courage and is calling for replacing him. It goes on. I'm going to not cover all of it. 
Consortium News, long article. Go out and find it, folks. Read it. Turkey's Erdogan in the Shadows of the Ottoman Empire. Like I said, I'm not going to read that one. Go out and find it. And another one, too, go out and find that's on globalresearch.ca. The defining year was 1991, the demise of Yugoslavia and the Soviet Union. Folks, everybody seems to forget that on top of it, besides what happened in Afghanistan in 1979, when Russia stormed over the border into Afghanistan, thanks to the infamous uh, Brzezinski doctrine against Russia and tricking them to come into Afghanistan. We had the Mujahideen that was behind the fighting that was going on in Afghanistan, obviously, as well, Osama bin Laden had been part of that. When everything was done and over with in Afghanistan, guess what? Well, they were later mobilized out to Yugoslavia. Breakup of Yugoslavia. All the complete false narrative that was floated to the media on a continual basis as to what happened in the war in the Balkans. 1991 was the beginning point that led to what every single thing that we saw America doing with the British and, you know, several other NATO nations ever since then. You see, this was the staging point, which nobody talks about. So I would advise going out there and finding this article and reading it because I know quite a bit about this and everything that... Marcus uh, Papadopoulos puts in this article is indeed historically accurate. And it was reported uh, beginning yesterday is when the uh, first little blip it started to float out. Secret alliance. Israel is carrying out airstrikes in Egypt with Cairo's okay. Basically with what's going on in the Sinai Peninsula with the jihadists. They've been in there bombing with their approval, trying to tone down that circumstance. And there's been a lot happening in there that I think people forget about and they don't really keep an eye on it. They start this article with a picture of one of the biggest events that everybody kind of doesn't talk about anymore, which was a turning point, was 2015. Islamist militants brought down a Russian passenger jet in the Sinai. And then soon after this, Israel began a wave of airstrikes there. So there's been flare-ups of Islamic State in that area. And as a matter of fact, they seem to be flaring up all over the place lately. And I had, I've brought this up. Many other commentators throughout varied news sources have brought the same thing up. Folks, don't count ISIS out of the game yet. It's not even close. They're flaring up in other places. They've been chased out of Iraq and Syria where they were trying to set the caliphate up, but they're not gone yet. So that's the gist of the news stories I had to cover, and I guess we'll just bounce back and forth here for the remaining bit of the show. Back over to you guys. Clinton, do you got comments on what Brian had to cover or I had to cover? You know, the only thing I have to say is, wow. 
Um, I think, uh, you know, just the list of different world events that, that Brian just laid out uh, all across the globe of <laughs> everything coming to a head. It, it's, you know, I mean, we're not talking about just one event that is developing, you know, that we need to watch. We're talking about everything happening all at once, everything falling apart, everything leading to war. It's just, wow. That's all I have to say. Well, I've got a wow one for you. Ladies and gentlemen, let us consider this, that there were 12 tornadoes in the United States in January. But there's probably something you don't know. And it's probably going to bother you. Uh, Because when you look at it, it's kind of hard to uh, comprehend, actually, what's what's going on here. Um, I hope everybody's aware that on January the 1st, there were four tornadoes in France. Okay? Did anybody... Was anybody aware that on January 1st, <laughs> there was a tornado uh, southwest of Hebron City? I've seen it, of course. I can read Hebrew. Was anybody aware that January 3rd, there was a tornado in Germany? That... That cut a 300-meter path uh, in Bavaria. Now, did you know that there was a tornado in Germany on January 16th? Here, let me rattle your cage. You see, you can't lie to me. You can't change the electronic numbers. I am reading from the 50th anniversary edition of the World Book Encyclopedia. This is... Published in 1966. Let me rattle your cage because I did some research and I was like, well, all this electronic information is is lying. Because I have the full set of encyclopedias that's the 50th year anniversary. Here, let's, let's read what they had to say. About 200 tornadoes can be expected each year in the United States. Based on official United States Weather Bureau records for a 37-year period. I shut the book for effect. It was a sound effect. Okay? You can't electronically change that information I just told you. And everybody knows full well that uh, I took meteorology in an institution of higher learning. Okay, let's, let's consider what happened in 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, in the United States, there was 1,390 <laughs> – 1,396, yeah, yeah. Um, so you need to understand that's 1,400 tornadoes just in the United States in 2017. Don't you realize <laughs> – uh, there has been a catastrophic increase of just tornadoes, ladies and gentlemen. Just tornadoes. 
And this is just one bit of information that, that I could give to you. But I prefaced it with the simple fact that uh, you cannot argue with the data that I gave you that there – and as of 1966, there was only an average of 200 tornadoes in the United States per year. Now, you're going to do exactly what I did and start checking electronic resources. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, wake up. Uh, those figures can be changed. You cannot change the figures that were proven by the United States Weather Bureau back in 1966. They weren't lying back year, th then, and what was provided was a 37-year-long study. So I don't care what information you get off the internet. That's irrelevant. I have it in print on my bookshelf. So, ladies and gentlemen, think about this, okay? Think about it. it something is happening, ladies and gentlemen. You know… I'm saying this because tornadoes are not supposed to hit the Indonesian area of the Thousand Islands. Okay? That's not normal? And you need to realize that the official Government records are screaming out that the information you're getting on just this single issue to, uh, of tornado frequency, they're lying to you, and it's so easy. And it really is scary to me some of the things I've questioned Brian about of what they can really do with these computers… Uh, Brian and I have shared publicly uh, the new massive facility on Fort Knox and what that could possibly be used for. Uh, it's common knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. Fort Knox has only got one purpose. And why would you build a building <laughs> in the shape of an eagle? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I'm going to stress it again. All of you that are wanting to get pertinent information directly from the Bible, God's Holy Word, should keep your eyes open for our tiny chats. In Tiny Chat, uh, it's live video, my live video. But you can come on the mic. You don't have to turn the video on, and you can ask me questions directly, and I will answer them directly in real time. 
And I know all of you are all worked up about the Super Bowl. But you need to think that there is a strong possibility that uh, the four winds of heaven are stirring up the sea of many nations, tribes, and tongues. And I understand you're stirred up about the Super Bowl. But you probably should be concerned about what those four riders are doing. Clinton, your closing comments, please. You know, I mean, the, the best advice that any of us can give you is, is just watch. Just keep eyes open and try to look at everything through the lens of Scripture. Um, we know we are in a time of great deception. Just turn on the news and watch one news channel and then go to the next one, and they will tell you completely opposite stories. So, yeah, finding the truth is becoming harder to do every day. And it's going to take diligence every day to watch what's going on to truly see what the truth is. And you have to look at it through the lens of the Bible. Now, everyone, all the news articles we talk about on this broadcast, you know, I try to put on my Twitter account. So you can read it for yourself. You can determine the information yourself. You can find my handle is Clinton Co-Watch. Just look it up on Twitter. There it is. Um, you know, best of luck to all of us, and may God be with us. Thank you very much. Brian, your closing comments, please. Now, the main thing to point out again is, you know, folks here in America, don't get distracted and fixated and focus just on the um, insanity going on here. Uh, keep an eye on world news. I would say about close to over 50% of those stories I covered near the end, those were all released yesterday. So there's a lot going on on the world stage. You know, one little move, they ignite a fire in North Korea. That brings Russia and China into the equation. Folks, we are looking at full-scale world war. Because let us not forget that basically all throughout the world, besides the uh, beyond the Euphrates borderline, there's wars being fought everywhere. America's got forces all over the place in these areas, military bases, you name it. Complete pandemonium everywhere. They have not crossed that threshold yet. But they intend to, and that's what they've been stating over and over again. With that said, you can find me on Overt Attention Show on Twitter, overtattentionshow.com, or you can contact me at the bands of time at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I... I hope you take time this weekend to pray sometime, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you can take some time during the halftime show. I don't know. I doubt it. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get a hold of me, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will point you in the right direction. Until next time, God bless. 
Godspeed.